This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Good evening, New York. Good to see you guys come out. I have a question for you here, just before we begin, by like a show of hands. Hi. How many of you here take vitamins, like on a daily basis? You guys take vitamins? So I, you take vitamins, yeah? Okay. So I recently saw something very interesting, which it, it struck a very interesting chord by me. See, I, I'm constantly studying marriage, I'm teaching marriage, I'm counseling marriage, I'm learning marriage. Like, every time, like, I have, like, a vart or dvartaira or something, I'm always, like, trying to think, like, how does, this, how does this relate somehow to, like, dating or marriage? And, of course, there's a lot of things that sort of fall into that, you know, subcategories. Like, you have the categories of just, like, self-development. Like, you have all those things. But I'm always, like, trying to, like, sort of tie it in some way, somehow. So I recently saw an interesting concept. The concept is, goes like this. It says, Hashem created the Yetzirah, Barasi Yetzirah, Barasi Torah Tavlin. I created the Yetzirah, and I created Torah as like the antidote to the Yetzirah. So Revelio Lapian, who, he wrote a sefer called Levelio, which is just the most amazing, fascinating sefer ever. Like if you're going to learn one sefer, start with that. It's just an incredible sefer. It's three svarim. He writes amazing, very deep concepts there. He writes that Torah is like a vitamin. In the sense that there, if you just stam learn, you go to a class, you go to a shir, you hear a Torah, whatever, that's a vitamin. It gives, you, it gives you like spiritual nourishment. You know what I'm saying? Like you feel good about yourself. Like, oh, I took my vitamins. My face is shiny today. You know, like my pores are open. Like I feel good. I feel healthy. I feel rested. That's the classic Torah vitamin. But just like medication, there's medication that's a vitamin, then there's medication which is like more serious. There's Advil, Tylenol, Motrin. And then there's the more serious stuff. There's the antibiotics, and then there's the chemotherapy. Like you have like really more, you know, for the more detailed maladies, for the issues that really address us in life where we like, oh, the vitamin's not going to cure this. We have more specific stuff. And he therefore says, just an interesting concept, he said, when you learn regular Torah, like you just hear a share, you learn something, you should just know that you're feeding yourself and, and you're addressing three issues. Gaiva, taiva, and kavod. That's what happens when you just hear any shear. It has nothing to do with anything. But if you have a specific issue or a specific thing that you want to target, such as dating or marriage or whatever the case is, so you should listen to Advar Torah on that specific topic. And then it's not just a vitamin in general. It doesn't just make your pores open. It really gets down to the core of that issue. An interesting idea. So, like you guys came out tonight, it's not just like a specific thing. I want to try to take concepts and sort of try to like bag them together and make them very real for you. This week's parasha, the passage starts off, it says, In bechukaisai pelechu. If you're going to go in the ways of the Torah. There's an extra word there, pelechu, that you're going to go. The altar from Kelm, he brings down an idea, which I think if anybody else said it, or like if somebody would just say this, you would call him like an apicorus. He says like this. He says, a lot of times you have girls who are in seminary, right? You guys went to seminary? In seminary? Yeah? Right? So you're in seminary, and you hear these ideas that just sound so fluffy. And like, they're so great, and they're so amazing. You're like, Wow. Like, so I'm going to marry, like, the next Rechaim Kanievsky, and, like, I'm never going to speak Lashon Hara ever in my whole life, right? And we're going to just eat bread and salt because that's the way of the Torah, 
right? And it just sounds so good, almost like too good to be true. And, and I'm sure some of you have had this, where you have like a conversation with somebody who's like working, you know, they're, they're trying to make some money, and you're like, no, you, you guys don't get it. This is how it is, because my son teacher told me, right, that, right that, that this is how the world is. And they're like, listen, friend, right, you wait till you get into the real world, real world, and then you'll see what it's like. And you're like, no, 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 this is the real world, right? The real world is that you become a teacher and then you teach others to become teachers, that they become teachers, and everyone's just a teacher. That's, that's the only job you're allowed to take, right? And you marry somebody who's in colon, that's, just, that's where your life begins and ends. And a lot of people in yeshiva, they have the same concept. But the Alder from Kalim says no. He says, the ideas that you learn when you're in a controlled environment, those ideas are there to percolate. They're, they're supposed to cook inside of you. The ultimate test is when you are out in the world. So in Bukhukaisai Pelechu, if you go out and then the ideas are tested, then you know you're doing it right. But so long as you're living in that pressure cooker, in that like little bubble that nobody fits into, you know, that like tiny box that like, that nobody's in, so long as you're living in that world, it's nice, it's a good idea. But the ultimate goal is to take the idea and take it out with you into the world. You know, Chaim Pencha Scheinberg, his yeshiva was Torah art, right? Which was like a yeshiva that had a mixed type of crowd. It was, it was people who were very much to the right, but there were also people more towards the center or the left. They were all different types of Bachram who learned in his yeshiva. So the story goes that one of the Bachram who was in his yeshiva approached him and said, you know, Rebbe, like, you're sort of allowing anybody into this yeshiva. I think we should have certain standards. And he said, well, what, what are your standards? So the guy started listing like this and this and this and this. So Rechaim Pinkel said, well, how about if we added to that this and this and this? The guy was like, wow, that sounds amazing. Like, we're only going to get like the top, top guys. So he turned to the guy who came over to him and he's like, great, so you never would have gotten in here. <laughs> right? Like, we're going to create this box that's so small that no one gets to fit in there. So the, the idea is, is that when we're in like a, that controlled environment, which we all went to, we fit into that yeshiva, that seminary, that school, that's good, it's great, it's wonderful to hear concepts and ideas. But it's when we then step into the real world, we step into a relationship, we step into those challenges, that's when it's like, hold on. How does this apply to me, and how could I actually make this something real? I believe that within marriage, there's like the disillusion stage, which is usually towards the end of dating into the engagement, which is that stage where like a girl is like, I'm telling you he's Mashiach, you know, like, he's, you know what I'm saying? Like, when, when it's just like, you, like, you're just talking there, you're like, you're either high on something, like there's like nothing that makes any sense that you're talking about, and, and then and it usually lasts. Hopefully, like in good relationships, it usually lasts into the marriage, right? Like they actually make it through the engagement period, like pretty much okay. And she's still like, oh, you know, like total googly eyed. But then around, I think it's it's between two and six months. It doesn't even last more than that, by the way. <laughs> it's, it's between two and six months that you become illusioned. It's like ding, like like the light goes on, and you're like. Oh my gosh, like, wow, like this, like, wow, like there's, this, this guy, like, this guy's not, he's not Mashiach, like, he's not, like, he, he's got certain issues, like, I didn't realize there were challenges here. And it's, it's that, like, waking up, like, that moment, at that moment, that I think that all the, the concepts and ideas that you hear during all these classes and Kala classes and your seminary teacher and all these things, that they sort of, like, bing, like, the light bulb goes off and you're like, 
whoa, like, I should have paid more attention because, like, at this point, like, I really need it. Like, th- this guy is not floating on water. Like, he's, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> we have certain things that we got to deal with. So I want to plant a few seeds. I know that for many of you, these seeds are going to be too early for them to, to, to grow. But I will tell you that I teach a lot of chassan and my wife teaches a lot of kalas. And what we find is that when a person sits down and they're in that bubble mode, you know what I'm saying? Like when they're like engaged, like, oh my gosh, we're never going to fight. And it's going to be amazing. You know, like he told me, like when you're in that mode, which is so beautiful, right? Halavai, we should all just live in that mode forever. What, what happens at that point, it's almost, it's almost too hard. It's like, it's like you woke up today, but it's like, what happened in the last 20 years? And you're going to find that a lot of these ideas are not marriage ideas in as much as they're life ideas. And it's funny because I recently sat with a cousin, and this guy was like a big businessman. Like we call them like the Joe Flatbushes. You know, the guys like with the here and the car, you know what I'm saying? So I'm sitting with like a Joe Flatbush and I'm teaching this guy, and he's, he's all into the, like the classes. And m- most of my chassanim, like they come in and for me, it's a good day when somebody brings a notebook because it means like, you know, these classes, okay, it's extra credit, but like when you come to chassan classes and you don't have a notebook, that's like, how do you expect to remember 12 hours of information that you never heard before without bringing a notebook? It's not possible. So when somebody actually brings a notebook, don't worry, they never open it. You know what I'm saying? But like, <laughs> they, like, but to actually bring it is like a step, right? Like it's a good, it's a good, it's a good sign. This guy is like, He's writing notes like I never saw. And I was like, whoa, like, what's going on? You're really into this stuff. He's like, forget marriage. He's like, this is great business advice. <laughs> <laughs> he was like so into it. He's like, I'm going to make a lot of money, like, just on these ideas here, you know, client relationships. Like, he was so into it. I was like, yeah, but it relates to your wife also. He's like, oh, whatever, you know, like, I don't care about her. This is great business advice. Because I think you're going to find that a lot of these ideas, they sort of, they, 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 cross, they cross borders over here. It's not just about relationships, you know, in as much as you're going to be in a serious relationship where you are or you will be, very soon, but it, it, you'll see that this is going to help you in general for life. If you look in Parshas Beratius, the Torah starts creating a story. And it's like, in the beginning, God created this and this and this and this. And there's like this whole buildup, right? All the way at the end, all the way at the end, there's this culmination. And he's like, and I created the pinnacle, the purpose, the reason for everything that I created. And who is it? Man. And like, I grew up with a lot of sisters. I'm sure a lot of, you know what I'm saying? A lot of women are like reading it. They're like, what? Like... Where are we in the story? And it's like, okay, later, 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 like, oh, hey, Chava, by the way, <laughs> you know, we need you. Like, bring back up. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's almost like, if you think about it for a minute, it's almost like women got, like, the short end of the stick. Like, man is created. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> Chava, hello, where are you? Okay, fine. We'll create you also. Because, like, whatever, you're needed a little bit. What was the purpose of creating Chava? So many people, they think that the purpose of marriage is to have children. They think, I got married, and I, all my chassanim, I always start off with this question, tell me why you're getting married. 
what's your motivation? And they, they, the, a lot of guys are like, oh, I never thought of this. And it's like, well, good time to think about it. Let's, let's take a moment here. And a lot of times it's like, look, I want to get out of my house. <laughs> like, my parents drive me crazy, right? And everyone has their reasons, but many people say, because I want to start a family. I want to you know, get married. I want to start a family. I want to have kids. That's, you know, that's what it's all about. I want to have a family. How do I have a family? Got to get married. And it would almost seem that that's, that, that's like the story here. Shem creates Adam. Adam's like, okay, where's my wife? He's looking around the animals. No, doesn't work. Like, okay. Hashem's like, oh, hold on. I got the answer. Her name is Chava. But that's not true. If you look in the Ramban, the Ramban says that either there was or there was the ability for Adam to have children on his own. They didn't need Chava. There are certain animals that are created this way. The Ramban says, and others talk about this idea, that the reason for her creation was that when man was created, he was alone. It doesn't mean that it wasn't because that man would be alone, he needs a wife. In as much as it means that man in his mind was alone. He lived his life alone. You ever have an idea that's like a stupid idea? Like something that like you're thinking in your mind, you're thinking in your mind, then like you tell it to a friend and your friend's like, are you crazy? Like what are you, like, what are you thinking? You're like, I'm going to open a business, I'm going to invest money. And they're like, what? Like everyone, you know what I'm saying? Like they just tell you like, what, what are you thinking? Before you tell your friend, in your mind, you're like convinced this is like absolute brilliance. Like this is the greatest plan ever. And then you like sit down with somebody and they're like, uh, no, you're not thinking through all the pitfalls over here. Like, you didn't think through all the stages. We have this all the time, and usually it's very, very quick. The Ramban says, and many others talk about this state, that the issue with Adam was that he had to sit living alone, understanding what it means to sit within your own thought process over and over and over. And then when he realizes, wow, I am so centered around my mindset, around my mentality, around my emotions. Like, this is it. It's about me. It's about whatever I want. That Hashem turns to him and is like, by the way, if you want to connect with me, God, it's not going to work. There's no way in the world you can live an existence, an existence where it surrounds you. If it's all about you, this is not going to work out. And Adam had to sit in that for just a little bit, before Hashem's like, okay, you're ready? You're ready for the solution? The solution is you're going to then take a step back and allow somebody else to become opposite you. And it's an interesting concept, is that when somebody gives somebody else a hug, what they're basically saying is, it's not about me, it's not about you, there's something else in the middle. And that something else in the middle is the relationship. It's not about me anymore. It's about me taking myself out of center and allowing somebody else's mindsets, mentalities, to sort of come into this relationship. So what's, what's like Adam, like what's, what's Chava's job? Like what's her role? The answer is to be a balanced viewpoint on the world. A balanced viewpoint on the world. Adam has his mindset. Adam has his emotions. Adam has his way of doing things. According to this pshat, her job is sort of to like be like, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but, you know, no. It doesn't necessarily work that way. It's about, it's about him allowing her and her allowing him to sort of balance each other out. 
Which one do you think is harder? To raise kids or to raise a husband? I'm to have a husband. <laughs> Which one do you think is harder? Kids? Who here thinks it's kids? Say I. Okay, from what you know. What do you think? You think kids are harder? Kids are harder than a husband? <laughs> Depends on the husband? <laughs> Depends on the kids. It does depend on how many kids you have. So I want to tell you, I want to tell you, you said, it's a very big, it, it's a foundation for life and it's a foundation for marriage. Almost every challenge that a person will face in their life is going to be, to a certain degree, an external challenge. Almost every challenge. The worst it can get, really, is like something physical, right? Where like something actually hurts you. But think about money, right? Even stresses, things that go on around you, like they can affect you. Like money, job, 100%. These are challenges, right? Even children, right? But a marriage is on a deeper level in the sense that it's the most internal struggle that any person will face in their life. I'm going to explain to you a, a, a simple idea. There's a couple I know they're sitting down, and the wife turns to her husband, and she's like, you want to see the funniest thing on YouTube? So he's like, yeah. So she takes out her phone, and she Googles, she puts on YouTube, whatever it is. She types in the word fail. What does the word fail mean? Somebody tried something, and they did not succeed. So it's usually somebody falls down a flight of stairs, right? Somebody swings a bat and whacks a guy in the head, right? So it's like a whole bunch of things of people failing, okay? So she plays this clip, and she's laughing her head off. She's like, look at this, this guy found this. She's rolling. And her husband's like sitting there, he's like not, he's like not reacting. And after like, after like two minutes, she like, she's like laughing. And then she turns, she's like, um, what? why are you not laughing? He's like, this is the saddest video I've ever seen in my whole life. <laughs> she's like, no, it's so funny. Look at all these people. They're commenting how funny it is. And look at this guy and that guy. He's like, this is the saddest video I've ever seen. We, we, we live in a society that's sort of, it's, it's funny. People put it on. It's comedy. But you have a person in a relationship where the relationship challenged you internally. How you feel is no longer just okay. How you think is no longer just okay. Your spouse is going to, in a successful relationship, they're going to start to tweak in areas that you're like, what, like, I can't believe it. Like, I thought this was so funny. They don't think it's funny, right? You, it could be the opposite, right? You're, like most men, when they hear of like a simcha, what do they think? They think in their brain like, ooh, party, right? Like, they're like, what type of challenge? How many pieces of meat? Like, that's like, their brain is like going like boom, boom, boom. A woman is like, oh, a simcha? So I have to make something for the simcha. I have to bring something to the simcha, right? And you guys are all nodding your head. Men are like, huh? Like, Oh yeah, we gotta do that also. Like, okay, I'll write a check. You know, like it's as easy, you know, it's as easy as it gets. You start to learn through each other's eyes. You start to learn through each other's vision, through each other's mindsets, through each other's emotions, like a new way. And it starts to change you from the inside. I'm sure all of you have a friend who got married. And like a month after she got married, you were like, something's a little different about them. Like all of a sudden, like they're just a little different. And sometimes it's because they have the weight of the world on their shoulders. And sometimes it's a good thing. It's just 
they're starting to see the world differently. They're, they're not as loud anymore. They're not jumping on the table. They sort of find their inner serenity. You know what I'm saying? Because they sort of find themselves, and it's, a, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. The marriage, <laughs> it's not about raising a husband. It's not about, you know, being the mashkiach, waking him up at 3 o'clock in the morning to get up for a minute. That's not the challenge. The challenge is not that physical challenge which you have with a kid. A kid has the flu, you're walking around, the kid's screaming, you didn't sleep in three days. That's physically challenging, but it's an external challenge. There are internal challenges with children when the kid comes home at 15 and he has something that he's not supposed to, or he says something, or he does something, or he sees something, or whatever. But at the same time, the challenge that a husband has is that internal challenge. Now, you guys are probably thinking the word challenge is a bad thing. It's not. We're created to be challenged. And when you embrace that challenge and you start to allow yourself to calibrate your emotions, your vision, your mindset, then all of a sudden you have two people seeing the world through a third lens. Does this all make sense? That's the first idea. The second idea is that if you turn to most people and you say to them, how is it to be married to you? Right? Think about this idea. So I'm sure some of you are in Shadduchim, some of you are married. Think about this idea for a minute. If I were to close my eyes and say to myself, I have a spouse sitting next to me. You know, my spouse, Mir Tashem, in two years, we're sitting there, we have our baby in the stroller. How is my spouse going to feel being married to me? Right? So most people, if you're answering honestly, you'd probably be like, Pretty darn good, right? <laughs> like, I know I'm going to be a good wife, right? I'm going to want to make my spouse happy. I'm going to be there for him, right? Like, I'm going to support him, right? This is probably what goes through our minds. Like, yeah, like I'm, you know, that's, that's my job. And, and if you think about it, like, if you crunch it down to a nutshell, I think a lot of people would say to themselves that, like, their, their goal in marriage is to make their spouse happy, right? And it sounds like a great goal, right? By the way, if you do this, then you'll probably be a pretty good spouse, right? Like, your job is to make your spouse happy? Great, you're going to do that. But I want to tell you something. And you're going to understand this in a second, okay? So don't, don't jump out of your seat. Don't throw your notebook. Let's just hold on one second, okay? <laughs> that goal is like a B-. minus. It's good. It's, it's, it's okay. But it's a B-. minus. Making your spouse happy, not true? <laughs> Hold on one second, let me explain. <laughs> I'm going to explain, I'm going to explain, okay? Don't, I said, don't jump on me. <laughs> the idea is like this. Within our lives, we tend to think to ourselves that our job is to make our spouse happy, and that, again, that's a good thing. But making your spouse happy is not as good as finding your spouse's happiness. Listen to what I'm saying right now, okay? This is deep, okay? Finding your spouse's happiness is like a hundred levels above making your spouse happy. Making your spouse happy means I did things so that my spouse will be happy. And the opposite also, they'll do this to you, okay? Just don't worry, okay? So the idea is, if I make my spouse happy, it simply means that I did things and they're happy, they're content. And most people, that's their job. That's meaning happy wife, happy life, right? Happy husband, whatever it rhymes with, right? <laughs> like, we just want our spouse to be okay. So it's like, okay, he's fetching, he needs breakfast, right? So we're like, uh, he's hungry. Um, here, cereal, milk, spoon, bowl, good luck, right? 
that's <laughs> like, okay, I made him happy, right? I made him happy. I did a good job. I'm a good wife, right? And if I'm really good, that means that I, I woke up five minutes earlier. I put it out, right, with a note. I love you. Right, honey, here's breakfast, right? That's a good wife, right? It's a B minus. I'll tell you why. Because maybe your spouse doesn't like cereal. Maybe your spouse wants eggs. Maybe he wants pancakes. Maybe he wants it earlier or later in the time that he wants it. You understand? Finding his happiness is operating on a totally different level than making him happy. If he wakes up and there's cereal, he'll eat the cereal. He'll be happy. But you didn't find his happiness. I want to tell you a very deep story. I hope you could, I hope you could follow this story, okay? Don't jump on me. I know I see it. You're, okay? Just hold on one second. I want to tell you a very deep story. There's a couple, there's a couple that's where he's becoming from and the wife is not really on board with what's going on. So he's becoming from her. He's going to Shurim. He's keeping Shabbos and Kashras. It's all beautiful. His wife is not on board whatsoever. What? Oy. Yeah. She's not on board whatsoever. She's Michal Shabbos. She's not keeping, she's not keeping anything. One day, his wife turns to him, and his wife says to him, this upcoming Shabbos, I want to go on a drive with you down to the beach with the kids. We're going to go, we're going to run around in the sand. We'll bring footballs. We'll have a great time, you know, this Shabbos, this Saturday. So the guy's like, I can't do it. It's Shabbos. just can't. So she turns to him and she says, listen, if you don't come with me and the kids, then you should know it's all over. I'm, I want a divorce. I can't have a life where you're doing your thing, I'm doing my, I can't, can't handle this. If you don't come with me this Shabbos, the marriage is over. Okay, you hear the Shaila? <sighs> you're taking a deep breath. So this guy goes over to a gadol and he says to the gadol, I have a question for you. What's the psak? And the gadol answers back, the question is not what's the psak, the psak is what's the question. I'll explain to you what this means. The question is not what's the psak, the psak is what's the question. Every person has deep emotional needs. Deep emotional needs. The people who think they're the simplest, by the way, they go, oh, I'm a simple guy, I'm a simple girl. You are the most complicated. <laughs> right? That friend who's like, I'm so simple. You are not simple. You're very complex. We are all complex. We have deep emotional needs, and those deep emotional needs have to be met. What the God is saying is as follows. Why would a wife challenge her husband's Shabbos. Why? Because she feels that she's secondary to Shabbos. She feels she's not getting what she needs emotionally out of the relationship. And women do this all the time, whether they know this or not. Men do to a, a smaller degree. But women do this all the time. It's like, you guys are smiling. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> right? It's like, it's like at that moment that your husband's like leaving and he's in a rush and he like has no patience and he's running, right? And he like, his phone is upstairs and he's screaming and he's like, where's my, sh- where's my pants? Like, where's, he's like, all over. You're like, honey, I need to talk to you. And he, you know he has no time, right? And it's like, and he's like, what? Right? And you're like, should we get new window shades in the back, right? <laughs> what? Like, 
why now, right? Right? What's, what's the pshat? Like, where is, where's the coming from? And the answer is because until a man makes his wife feel that she's number one, it's so subconscious, we don't even think about it, but we challenge him in the area where we know that he holds us to a high degree. And when he's, when he's like about to embark on that, we like hit him like, no, I need to know right now about these, about these window shades, or, or it's all over. Like, I'm not talking to you for two weeks. And he's like, what? Like, window shades? We, we don't even have windows. Like, what are you talking about? Like, right? Like, where did this come from? Right? But we do it to hit, like, no, I need you to prove to me that I am number one. So you understand the psak? It's not what the question is, what's the psak? The psak is find the question. What is she asking? Why is she asking this? Because it, deep down, she doesn't feel that she's number one. And it doesn't have to be about Shabbos. It could be about anything. It is such a deep yisayid that so many people miss. Because they want to make their spouses happy, but they don't want to find their spouse's inner happiness. Does this make sense? By the way, this is, this is so golden. I'm just going to say it now. You're welcome. And I'm telling you. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, if you internalize this one idea... I'm telling you, you will transform your relationships forever. You will re- transform your relationships. Most people are constantly catching up to the person who's nagging them. It could be in business, right? It's like the client who's like calling you and harassing you. You're like, fine, like, fine, I'll do it. If you take a step back and you're like, what can I do preemptively to just make this guy like the happiest client? And it's so easy. You're going to see the guy's not, in, not only going to be not fetching anymore, your whole relationship with them will completely transform. It's such a simple concept, but it's so transformative. That's one idea. What? Awesome question. So how do you know what their inner happiness is? The answer is it's called Shana Rishona. <laughs> the answer is it's a, it's a lifelong journey, and it really truly is. It's a journey of figuring out day by day, step by step, on all the various levels that you exist with the person, what is their inner happiness. And if you, if you think you have it figured out, like when you're engaged, you don't. If you think you figured out when you're married a month, you don't. You're still disillusioned, you know what I'm saying? Or illusion, whatever the word is. Like, you know what I'm saying? You're still in, in that world. Like, you're not seeing it straight. It's when you start to realize, like, whoa, like, my spouse is not really happy. Okay, I'll, let me make them happy. Then it's like, no, it's not about making them happy. It's about finding their happiness. And it is a constant struggle, day by day by day. And by the way, it changes. It changes. Think about, think about like a tie, right? A simple thing, like for a man, right? The tie that he wears today is not going to be the tie he's going to wear in 10 years from now. It's going to be a different tie, different style, right? Things con- and that's like the, that's the most shallow example I could possibly give, right? It is, right? On the emotional side of things, it changes. It morphs, develops over time. Yeah. No matter what's going on, do something, even if it's annoying, just to see that her husband's always going to focus on her first. Is that what the point was basically? Yes, it is something. It is something that people do very subconsciously. I believe it's women more than men, but we can debate that later. But yes, that people do that all the time, and and you you probably hear stories about it. And what tends to happen again, I don't want to turn this into like a therapy session, but like what tends to happen is that is that is that it then leads to like such a conflict, and the kitchen sink comes out, and the guy's like. But this, this is right. Um, I'll, I'll, fine, I'll turn this into a therapy session. So, <laughs> what happens is like this: a man's brain thinks very logically, right. 
So he's thinking, A, she's crazy, right? Because that's logical, because nothing else makes sense. And B, we don't even have windows. So it's clearly, right? So, right? And C, it's very expensive, right? So he's already, he already solved the problem. Right. Meanwhile, he doesn't even know what the issue is, right? right? That's, and then she gets even more upset. And she's like, well, you don't know, right? And she's like, and it's like, well, Bring up old things. Yeah, it's like, well, how did we get here? Right. Exactly. And then you're scratching your head, and it's like, you got to go speak to somebody. Exactly. That, in a nutshell, is like 90% of the world's problems, right? <laughs> yes. Ah, oh, great question. I love that question. Fine. So this is, we're getting derailed, but I love the question. It's a great question. Fine. So what does the wife do if she feels that she's, well, <laughs> To find her husband's inner happiness? Okay, so, okay. <laughs> Let's talk about this. So, the answer is like this. In a simple sense, we'll keep it simple, right? In a simple sense, marriage is about connecting to another person on the deepest levels, right? On all the various levels that we exist, emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, like you, you exist within that person's world and then you connect on a deeper and a deeper and a deeper level. That's the idea of a relationship. When you get to know somebody, we all know this, right? The first date is not the second date. The second date is not the first date. It's two different relationships. But then it keeps going and going and going. And unfortunately, too many marriages, they go and then just and then just level out. It's like, whatever, I know you already. Like, what else is there to know? But in a deep marriage, in a, in a marriage that's built on cash air connection, it doesn't, it doesn't plateau at three months of marriage. It doesn't plateau at six months of marriage. It, it continues to grow and develop. So I'll give you a simple question, right? Test yourself, right? Here, here, this is the test, right? Ask yourself, what are your husband's um, three biggest challenges in life? What are your husband's three biggest emotional needs in life? What are your husband's three biggest fears in life? Right? And you're probably thinking like, I, I, ne- I never thought of this before, right? That, again, that's like the start. And we could talk about this for a long time. Maybe we should. But the idea is, is that when you start to be able to answer those questions, you're, you're on your way. And the more you discover about it, I'll give you, I'll give you an, a, a man's example, okay? A lot of guys, before they start learning Gemara, they think like, what's there to know already? Like, <laughs> all these books, what's there to know already? If I had questions, I'll figure out the answer. The more Gemara you learn, the more you realize how much there is to know. You're like, whoa, like, in the beginning you're upset when you see like a big tysis. Right? There's the Gemara, there's Rashi, there's Taisvis. You guys relate to this a little bit? Yeah? Right? Yeah, of course you guys do. You went to seminary, right? <laughs> so, right? So, right? When, when you see a big Taisvis, you're like, upset. Like, what is, like, what is he, what is he throwing in extra words over here? Like, I don't need this for. You know, what do I need this for? But then, when you really start to connect with the Gemara, you're like, whoa, that's my question. Wait, how did he just end over here? Like, I have so many more things that are bothering me. Wait, where's the Ramban on this? Where's the Arachayim on this? You start to really want to see even more and more and more and more. And those layers are the exact same thing in an emotional sense between a husband and a wife. How, does, how do you do it? You spend a lot of time with them. You go for walks with them. You don't just talk about the weather and, and the children. You don't talk about those things. You talk about each other, right? Those are, those are the ways, and there's a lot more ways of starting to build deep emotional relationship with your spouse. I told you. It's the people who say that they're not thieves. <laughs> we'll talk after. <laughs> okay? But that's, that's, the, that's a simple idea here. That's a simple idea here. The simple idea... 
No, it's not about asking him. It's about discovering. It's about discovering the person through their time. I'll tell you what. You could start with yourself. And I'm not. I'm saying this is like a, a general thing, right? Start with yourself. Ask yourself. What are my triggers? What are my insecurities? What are things that I feel like I, I should have in my life, but I'm not utilizing enough? There's so many things like that. And when you learn to do that with yourself and your spouse is on board with doing that with them, then, the, right, how many spouses, they, like your husband comes home, or, right, and you're like, how was your day? And they go, good, right, where's supper? And it's like, that's it? Like, that's the whole emotional relationship, like, where's supper? Like, where's supper? How was my day? Oh, thank you for asking. It was terrible, right? <laughs> right? I need a shoulder to cry on. <laughs> oh, look, you have a shoulder, right? Like, right? <laughs> the idea is, in a, in, a, in a relationship, like, you have that back and forth that's constantly there, and it's constantly developing, and it's constantly growing. And it should be, and it could be, and unfortunately, I'll tell you like this, there are the opposite of a connected marriage is a disconnected marriage or a coexisting marriage. So if you, if you live in that world of coexisting marriages, so then you just have to make your spouse happy. Right? Just, just be happy. Just keep quiet. Stop quetching. Don't bother me. Just be happy. But if you, if you live in the marriage that you're connected, so now it's a different role. It's not about making you happy. It's about finding your happiness. It's a, it's, Night and day. It's night and day. It's two completely different relationships. You follow what I'm saying here? You, you get it? It's, it's hard. It's an Aveda. It's, it's a lifelong Aveda. Wait, that what is? Yeah. Okay. It's exactly, I'm so happy you're asking this because it's exactly my point. If you wait until your spouse turns to you after 20 years of marriage and goes, by the way, you know Captain Crunch? I hate that guy. It's just the worst cereal ever, right? You're like, well, why didn't you ever say something to me, right? Because nobody wants to feel like that Nebuch case, where it's like, honey, can you please do this for me? Well done with, you know what I'm saying? So in a good relationship, it's not about the spouse coming, walking in, and like presenting their case like a Nebuch case. It's about you walking in and saying, you know what my job is? Think about this right now, okay? Think about this right now. If you're married or if you're single, think about this in terms of relationship with somebody that you're close with. Think about this right now. What can I do to find that person's happiness? Maybe it's your grandmother. You don't call her enough, right? So what happens? She quetches and then you, you're like, fine. Hey, Bobby, how are you? Right? Then you know like you could like keep her quiet for another few weeks, right? That's what we do. We're like, okay, great. Good job. See you in a month, right? Like, or until you quetch next. We do so many things in our relationship just to like tide over the time to, to get us to the next step. But in a good relationship, it's like, what does Bubby need from me? Like, what does my mother need from me? What does my sister need from me? And then you do it and you don't expect anything in return. That is the coolest relationship ever. Try it. It, it, it won't hurt. It, it's, I'm telling you, it's, it's painless. It really is. And it's, it's, it's like, in terms of effort, it's like just one or two notches past making the person happy. But it's a world of a relationship difference, finding the person's happiness. I'm telling you, by the way, if you just like internalize this idea, walk around the block like three times, it'll change your life. It's, about, it's not about making the person happy because we're all doing that. It's about finding the person's happiness. Okay? Tell me when you're ready and then I'll take this into the next step. Yeah. You know the book How to Win Friends and Influence People? Yeah. I didn't like it and I think is it similar all the way that you're supposed to kind of ask people about themselves and then they'll like you because you're focusing on them? I know it's different. I love your question. Similar. I love your question. I'm going to address that from the side right now. 
Okay? I love your question. I'm going to repeat your question at the end. Okay? Let me explain, let me explain the notch up here. Okay? You guys ready to take this to the next level? We internalize this? Good. Okay, so here's the... Here's the what was your question? Oh, that's a good question also. Okay, fine. Great. Not really. I love the questions. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, here's the, here's the answer. I want to tell you something before I answer your question. When I sit with a chassan, so they always ask, how many classes is it, right? So my answer usually is, it's eight classes. I explain how the whole breakup, you know, the whole breakdown is. <laughs> Not the breakup. It's saying the whole breakdown, how it's going to work. And I tell them, it's an hour and a half. It's an hour and a half each class. That's, that's, that's what I tell them. Now, there are a lot of guys who I sit with them, and they sit there and they're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, okay, whatever, go on, yeah, right? And then the class is over, like, in three minutes. And then there are guys who, like, I sit and go hour and hour and hour, and then and didn't even get through the first class. Those, those guys, I love them. I love them. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're engaged in the process. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? The ideas, I love it. You guys are amazing. I love it. Okay? No, really, I love it. It's amazing. Your question is, if you're a wife... And you have a husband, and you want to feel like, hey, I'm the priority, or show me that I'm the priority, but I don't want to be that wife who, like, you know, he's, like, looking at the window, like, we don't even have windows. What are you asking about window curtains for? Like, like, but I want you to show me that, I, that I'm the priority. There's, like, a hundred different ways that you can do it. But I'll tell you a simple way. It's a simple way. And it, it, it really brings out this past machshava in a deep way. It's something I call channeling. Okay, I'll explain it to you in a simple level. I'll explain it to you on a deeper level. Channeling. What is channeling? So, I'll use a couple that I know as an example. Every Matzah Shabbos, this guy, he runs over to the... He wants to find his wife's happiness, right? So what does he do? He thinks in his brain, what can I do to make her happy? What can I do to make her happy? What can I do to make her happy? So he's on his way, right? Now, he says to himself, she works so hard, she creates this beautiful Shabbos program. After Shabbos, I'm going to do the dishes. Right? So he runs over to the dishes, and he washes the dishes. His wife comes over to him every Shabbos, and she turns to him, and she goes, every month of Shabbos, and she says, um, please don't do the dishes. I don't want you to do the dishes. Why not? Because what he calls cleaning the dishes, and what she calls cleaning the dishes, he like rinses it and puts it in the drawer with the challenge on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, he doesn't know what he's doing, but he thinks he's great. So he's like, yeah, woohoo, I did the dishes again. And his wife's like, I have to wait for him to go to sleep and take them out and wash them again and dry them. I'm not interested. Don't do the dishes. So what does she do? So every week, she, she yells at him. She goes, don't do the dishes. I told you, don't do the dishes. Drive me crazy. Every week, I told you not to do the dishes. You keep trying to do the dishes. And he's like, I know how you women work. <laughs> you don't just, right? You just saying it so that I, I get it, I get it. This is what he says, right? I get it, I get it. Don't worry. I won't do the dishes. <laughs> and then every week he does the dishes. And his wife's like, you're not getting it. And he's like, I really get it, right? <laughs> so they have this conversation. Fine. So, I, I, so when I spoke to the wife, she's like, what, what do I do? I can't, I can't handle it. He's driving me crazy. Right? So the answer is something called channeling. Channeling is where you take your spouse by the hand and you walk him down to the basement where there's a bazillion Legos. And you say to him, Yankee, I love you, you're amazing. Come, here's a box, let's put together, let's put the Legos into the box, right? And as he's put, and you make me so happy, and you're such a great husband, because by the way, husbands, wives to a lesser degree, when there's something wrong with our spouses and they're not happy, even if it has nothing to do with us, we think we're failures. Husbands? Husbands. Can so, wives also do like that? Yes, but to a lesser degree. 
So, so to a man when his wife is not happy, even no matter what it is, men take this very personally, as if it's like we did something wrong. And that's why a lot of men, besides the fact that our brain is very logical, a lot of times we try to solve the problem. And the wife's like, what, what's going on here? And we're like, no, I can, I can fix this, because it's if I broke it. In this end, fine. We're getting way off topic, but let's go back. So you take your husband, you're like, you go down to the basement, you're like, here, you're, you're, you're making me so happy. Here, let's put Legos in the box. I'll be down in two minutes, okay? Upstairs, start doing the dishes, right? You've channeled, you've taken his givingness, you've turned it, and you've showed him how you want it. That's an idea called channeling, and it works so well. And a wife who's smart, who's able to maintain the balance in her emotions, as opposed to flipping out and being like, I want to talk about the window shades right now, right? She's able to hold it together and say, I need to show my husband that I'm number one. The next day when he comes and you're like, ta-da, night out, me and you, you channel. You understand? You, you move him into that space where he starts to learn that you're number one in a super healthy, fun, and exciting way so that you don't pick a fight with him about it, but that you learn how to, it, it is such an easy but hard skill. It's easy, but it's hard because the emotions come in and we're like, no, I don't want that. I, I want him to know on his own. We, all those layers, we can talk about them, but that's the general idea. And there's a lot more ways to do it, but that's an easy way to do it. But she told him the dishes are almost totally clean, but can you do it this way? Doesn't work. He can't. He can't. He can't, can't do the dishes. You just can't. You cannot. Can't hurt the, we all have the answers, right? <laughs> exactly. It just would it offend? Is it gonna hurt his ego, or are you just not gonna be able to do it right? Like it's simple. He he's not understanding what her right. happiness is, and the easiest way to do is not to fight. The easiest way is to channel. Channeling is, is just a is just a great tool. Okay, I'll tell you another tool. Okay, here's the next tool. So here's the next tool. This tool, by the way, if you implement this, tool, I guarantee you, guarantee or your money back. Okay. <laughs> 80% reduction in your fights with your spouse. Okay, listen to this. 80% reduction. Here's the idea. And it's, it's a deep... And I'll just tell you about fights with your spouse, by the way. When you get married, the beginning, for those of you who are married, for those of you who are married friends, you'll, you'll nod your head when I say this. You fight about real stupidity. Like, the things that you fight about in, like, the first few months of marriage are really... It's just, like... It's so trivial that, like, you would be embarrassed to, like, repeat it over to someone. Right? It'd be like, I thought about, like, the toothpaste and the, di- but even think about the dishes, right? Like, you fought with your, you know what I'm saying? Like, you guys really fought about that? Like, you're seriously fighting? Like, you're 39 years old? Like, you know what I'm saying? You're 25 years old? Like, you're actually fighting over Lego or this? Right? Like, the things we fight over in the beginning tend to fall into the category of mindsets. The mindsets are things that, like, I thought this way, you thought this way. Milchik's, Flashik's, right? Late night, early night. Like, things that are just, like, trivial. As time goes on, the first few months, it switches into values. So the values start to get attacked more than the mindset. So the mindsets are just like the, the run-of-the-mill things. It's, it's, it's that switch that happens over the first few months, maybe the first year or two of marriage, if in like a mature kavwa. But what happens is like this. In most relationships, if you think about a fight, so how does a fight start? I'll give you an example, true story, right? You have a wife, she turns to her husband... And she says to him, she's like, honey, Yankee, it would be amazing if we like went down to Florida for like two weeks. We rented a house with a pool. She's giving him like this whole story. So he's like, okay, but we can't afford it. So she's like, yeah, but it's so sunny there and it's beautiful and it would be so nice and we get away. And he's like, yeah, but it's not happening because we just, we cannot afford it. 
right? And she's like, well, you never take me anywhere, and you don't care about me, and I work so hard. And then, like, the kitchen scene comes out, right? So at this point, right, you follow the fight. At this point in the, in the fight, where are they? They're stuck. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why they're stuck. Because if he turns to her and he says to her, you know what? Fine. You want it? We'll go to Florida, right? I think most women who are, like, emotionally sane, right, would be like, no, I'm not going to Florida with you right now, right? I'm not going with you. I'm going to go with you to Florida with this attitude. I'm not going with you to Florida. Like, no, I don't even want to go to Florida, right? <laughs> so the other way is that he's like, okay, that's not going to work. So he turns to her and he says to her, um, no, we're not going to Florida. First of all, you have a bad attitude. And second of all, it's too expensive. But that's not going to work either because they're fighting about it. So a lot of our, our fights, our disagreements... They, they tur- like we lock ourselves into like a box where it's like, what do I do? Like I can't, I can't, you understand? I can't agree with you at this point, but I'm already disagreeing with you. So like, where do I go? Disagreeing doesn't work, and agreeing doesn't work. So I'm stuck. And by the way, I'm telling you, you're going to find this in so many of your relationships that you you get it's like you lock horns and you're like, where do we go? I can't agree with you, but I can't continue to disagree. So it's like, whatever. Like, you know what I'm saying? We just get frust- like frustrated and we're just like, whatever. Like, I don't even know where to turn from here. And I tell you, you saw it. This is, I'm telling you, 80% reduction. Here's how it works. Always agree before you disagree. Always. Always agree before you disagree. I know it sounds totally insane, but listen to how this works, okay? Let's go back to the Florida. All right, honey, I want to go with you to Florida, right? So the guy is thinking in his brain right away. The male brain, very logical. We can't afford it, right? So he's thinking, no, we're not going. Stop. He turns around and he goes, wow, Florida. Florida sounds amazing right now. It's freezing here. I'd love to go to Florida, right? Did he agree to go to Florida? No. But he's, he's living in her reality. He's living in her moment. He's li- you understand? You're, you're living with that person for just a second, by the way, honey, after five minutes, we want to go to Florida, right? It would be incredible to go with you. How, let's, how we, let's figure out how we're paying for this. Oh, wow, look at this. We can't afford it. How, how's this going to work? He's not tricking her, by the way. He, he's, he's, I'll, I'll explain to you the idea. It's called sharing. It's called, listen to this idea. I know you're rolling your eyes for one second. Not rolling, but it sounds like my question before. It's not. I'll explain it. There's an idea called sharing. We all tend to give. We give to our spouses. Giving is very nice, but sharing is so much better. The difference between giving and sharing is when I give you, I'm giving it to you, and it has nothing to do with me. When we share, it becomes ours. See, a marriage, a solid marriage is built on kesher. Kesher means we're connected. Connected means this is not your decision. This is our decision, right? So we often get locked into that thing. I say milkshakes, you say flashakes. So now it's like, where do we go? So a lot of times people just go... Whatever, fine, we'll just do it your way, right? So now there's resentment. I'm not going to have, like, you know what I'm saying? We're not going to have a good time going out now. You're upset at me, I'm upset at you. It's not going to work. I just gave to you. Giving means I gave into you, I want to have nothing to do with you. Fine, I'm along for the ride. Sharing means I, I adopt your mindset. And I realized to myself, I didn't marry a Meshuggah, right? If I'm not crazy, you're probably not crazy, right? If, if, if 
if I have certain tastes that are different than yours, it doesn't make me right or wrong. So I can share in what your experience is. So if you want to go somewhere or you want to do something, I can say, I could say to myself, like realistically, like, wow, that sounds incredible. It does sound incredible because it's incredible to you. When we learn to share each other's lives, I don't, I don't come from your world. I don't experience it the way you do. But I could appreciate that you do. You understand? A lot of couples, they sort of think their job is to like correct their spouses and be there like to sort of like, you thought this? No, it's this. Right. That's not what it is. And I'll tell you a little secret. You look in the Ramban. The Ramban says that Adam had a very good taina against Chava after the Eitz Hadas. What, what was the story? Hashem tells Adam, I'm going to give you this huge helpmate. Her name is Chava. So great. She shows up and she gives him all the wrong advice. Right? She says, here, eat from the tree. He's like, oh no. Yeah, he eats from the tree. So Hashem says, why do you eat from the tree? So what does Chava say? What does Adam say? That lady you gave her to me? She's the one who told me. So what was his taina? So Ramban says that he, he said to Hashem, you gave her to me telling me that she's going to have some great, brilliant advice. It's like, it's like I'm, I'm an accountant, right? Imagine I turn to you, I say to you, you know, you want to do some estate planning, you want to do some, you know, insurance, hedging, whatever it is, I got the guy for you. Whatever this guy tells you, listen to him, right? You show up, he takes your money and he blows it within a month. You're bankrupt. You'd be like, why'd you send me to this guy? Right? So that was what Adam said. Like, you, you, why'd you give her to me? You gave me a wife. She just drove me right off a cliff. It's, it's not my fault. It's your fault. It's her fault. It's everyone's fault. It's not my fault. So Ramban says that Adam didn't understand the relationship. It wasn't a guy that you have to follow blindly off a cliff. It's somebody who's going to live their life next to you in a balance. Listen to what they have to say. They have a good suggestion. They see, they see red different than you. They see the world different than you. They see the flowers different than you. They see emotions different than you. Learn to appreciate what your spouse has going on. Learn to appreciate, appreciate your spouse's taste. And when you, when you can do that, initially, you want milk because I want flashics. It's not about me saying, Okay, watch how I'm going to trick her, right? I'm going to agree. Then as we're on the way, we'll be like, by the way, we can't afford... Mm-hmm. That's, not, that's not the goal. And many times you're going to find yourself saying to yourself, wow, like I really can appreciate what they bring to the table. Like, yeah, we are going milchiks and I'm going to enjoy the milchiks. I'm not just going to say, yeah, let's do it. I'm going to say, yeah, let me call that restaurant and make the arrangement for us to go because I appreciate your taste. I appreciate your vision. You understand? It's, it's about sharing in the other person's world. And what happens more often than not is that when you, when you agree before you disagree, you start to learn to, to, to see the world outside of me. I want to tell you a true story. It happened yesterday. So I'm doing like some things around my house. I'm like fixing this and that and whatever. So there was a few like things that were rusted over. I couldn't get out like these, these bolts, these nuts. I couldn't get them out. So I turned to my wife and said, I'm going to Home Depot. She's like, great, like, what are you getting? So I said, let's make a list. I need this and that, all these different things. And then before I left, I said to my wife, by the way, I'm going to get a grinder. What is a grinder? Grinder is like this tool that like you could just like saw off like, like a bolt or a nut, like, like a screw, something that's like rusted in. It, goes, it like creates a million sparks and you could just like, now I never used a grinder in my life, but I thought it was a pretty cool idea. So I said to my wife, honey, I'm going out, I'm getting this and this and this, and I'm getting a grinder. And my wife's like, Awesome. <laughs> Enjoy that grinder, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, there's like a, a, like a screw here. I can't get out. I'm just going to get a grinder. I'm just going to saw it off. My wife's like, awesome, right? I go to the store. I'm looking around. And 
in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm getting this grinder, right? And I'm looking, I'm like, I have no idea how this machine works. But I'm like trying to put the pieces together. I'm like, oh, you need this and this and oh, and some blades. I don't, I don't know how, do I need goggles? I don't know. So I'm like trying to figure it all out. And then in my mind, I'm like tallying it up. I'm like, okay, it's like $100 for this and $20 for this. I'm like, wow, it's like 200 bucks to remove like a screw. It's pretty expensive hobby here, right? So I was like, I probably could pay someone to do this cheaper. I probably just have a friend who maybe has a grinder, but like, I'm not buying it. I said, I'm not buying it. Then I was driving home and I was thinking about this idea. And I was thinking to myself, what would have happened had my wife told me, a grinder? Are you crazy? What are you buying a grinder for? What would have happened? I'll tell you what would have happened. I would have bought it. Exactly. You know why? Because I have, you have to show, right? We have to show, you think I'm crazy? I'm, watch how good of a, gr- I'm not even gonna get a regular grinder, alright? You're getting like the best grinder ever. Because you have to show, like. Why are you getting a Because you become, in- I'll tell you how it works. When we become entrenched in our position, it becomes so difficult to come out. The idea of sharing a life with somebody is a very simple idea. It's you have ideas, I have ideas. These ideas, we don't necessarily see 100% eye to eye. But if I can agree with you before I disagree with you, and I'm not agreeing to do it, you understand? This is the part that it's not a trick. I'm not saying, yeah, let's go to Florida, by the way, we can't afford it. Even just that sentence of like, wow, it's so beautiful in Florida. It really would be nice to go there. Why can't I just say something like that where I'm just sharing in your experience? Like, you're, right? There's a, a true story, right? There was a guy who was telling me how his wife wanted to buy a bugaboo, whatever, like, I don't know, the turtle, the donkey, I don't know, whatever, right? So she wants to get like this like $1,300 stroller. So his first reaction is like, no, it's too expensive. Like, why can't you just say to her, wow, your life would be so much easier. It would be so cool to have this thing. Why can't you just share in that for a moment? Then turn to her and be like, by the way, you know, it would be super cool. And I'm, I, I, I appreciate that, but it is expensive. Agree? Before you disagree, take a minute, take 90 seconds. I'm telling you, you're going to find so many of your, of your arguments are, are not going to become a, like a stalemate. It's not just going to jump like one into the next. Does that make sense? When you agree before you disagree, it is such, such a great, such a great tool. Okay. Now, we like went way over time. I want to tell you just one last machshava. Okay, one last machshava. And then if you guys have any questions, I'll, I'll be happy to stay here. I have like 10 more things to tell you. But I'll, I'll tell you, I'm trying to think which one I should tell you. Um, okay, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a simple one. Okay? You see this picture? Exactly. So I want to tell you, I want to tell you the story of this picture. This is a true story. There was a woman walking down the street in New York City. And she sees a guy having a yard sale. The true story. And outside on the stoop was this picture. It was in color, but I'm telling you, it doesn't look any nicer in color. Okay? <laughs> it's just sitting there. And she walks over and she takes this picture and she goes like, all right, how much do you want for this? So the guy's like, I don't know, $2. So she says, okay, great. I'll buy it off you. This is a true story. So she goes ahead and she buys this off this guy. And she, this lady, was studying, like, modern art and all these, like, funky stuff that, like, most people doesn't look like anything. But she was studying this. And she recognized that this picture was, it looked like a picture that was created by somebody very famous. 
So she took it to various people and they started testing the ink, the canvas. And they said to her, you know, this is not like a picture that was just like drawn by a child. This, this is a picture that was drawn by somebody from like a certain era. So she started doing more research and she start, started traveling the world to try to find out who could have drawn this picture. And it turns out after a few years of searching that this picture is called, don't shoot me for saying this wrong, okay, the Tres Personage, whatever, by a guy called Rafino Tamayo, okay? True story, not with that accent, but that's the story. And this picture is worth over a million bucks. True story. Now, now I want to tell you, I want to tell you the muscle and the nimshal behind this story, okay? There was a woman who got married many years ago, and this is a true story. She got married many years ago, and she turned to her husband, and she said to her husband, you know, you don't get up on time, you don't learn enough, you don't daven, and you, you, you snore, and you this and that. And every day she used to drive him insane. It got to a point, the relationship was slowly falling apart, and he turned to her and he said to her, hasta mañana, I'll see you all later, I cannot handle this anymore. And they got divorced. They got divorced. A few years later, like four or five years later, this lady is by a simcha. And at the simcha, she meets a lady. And she's like, hi, how are you? And this lady's like, oh, great. And they start schmoozing. And she like sort of knew this lady and they were like talking. She's like, what are you up to? She's like, great. I'm married now. She's like, oh, wow, you were like 37. They're schmoozing. And it turns out that this lady was married to this first lady's ex-husband. So as soon as she puts two and two together, she's like, oh, awkward, right? Like, <laughs> okay. Um, she's like, great, wonderful. And without telling this lady anything, she just, she was like, so how, like, how's it going? How's married life, you know? Like, does your husband snore or like anything, you know? Like, is he that type of guy? And she was like, he's amazing. She's like, how long are you married? Like, two weeks? She's like, no, we're married like five years. He's amazing. He's a dream gets up on time, and he davens, and he has a job, and Parnassa is so great, and she's going on and on and on. The lady's like, okay, it must just be the same name, mm-hmm. not the same guy, mm-hmm. right? So she's like, schmoozing her, she's like, oh, like, is your husband here at the wedding? She says, yeah. So she's like, where is he? So she points, like, that guy over there, and she looks across the room, and it's her ex-husband. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what? Makes no sense. This is the craziest thing ever. And she went home and she was like, what? This is nuts. And I'll tell you what dawned on her that night. What dawned on her that night is this picture. Not this picture exactly, but what this picture represents. You see, to some, picture, to some people, this picture is garbage. It's garbage, so we treat it like garbage. And it acts like garbage. And it smells like garbage. And, and to this other person, this was a million-dollar painting. And she, she saw that. And she built him, and she built him, and she built him. We're coming up to Harsinai, to, to, to Maimon Harsinai. And Chazal say that Harsinai is the analogy for marriage. You can either build a life of Kesher, where you're connected, where you sort of take your spouse on a journey, one step to the next, to the next, up a mountain. And the person who they were is not the person who they will be. You're on this lifelong journey, but you're bringing them up to the sky. And the other wife is that wife who's just holding the mountain over his head, just waiting to just bury him, just, just destroy him. You understand? There's a huge difference between that wife who turns to her husband, she's like, why are you doing the dishes? I told you not to do the dishes. Stop it. Where's, where's my window shades? Right? How are we? 
instead of utilizing a few skills, a few tools, learning how to bring your spouse, like the better parts of them, bring them forward, develop a life where you're truly connected, not living side by side, not that you're pinning them down to the wall, like, tell me your innermost secrets, what's your worst fears, and and that's not what it's about. It's about a journey of self-discovery, of self-perfection, and when you get on this, this road and you start to do this stage by stage by studying it, by implementing it, by learning it, and utilizing a few skills that literally will transform most of your marriages, you're going to see your relationships are going to grow beyond your wildest dreams. When you don't see that and it just becomes like, I don't know, we'll wing it, we'll figure it out, we'll fight, we'll get into stalemates, we're killing each other, like whatever, just, just be happy, please just stop bothering me. You're, you're underutilizing the most important decision that you do in your entire life, and that is to get married. And children are very difficult, but you know what? A husband is more difficult because he's going to challenge the essence of who you are inside. But when you allow that challenge, when you start to see eye to eye, when you start to like sort of balance that out, you're going to see yourself grow beyond your wildest dream. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.